Ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek 5'11", 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous 5'11", 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication. Turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. Alright, welcome back. We are back again for our bi-monthly Peak Speak episode. Is it bi-monthly? No, that's twice a month, isn't it? Bi-weekly. But is it, is it every two weeks? Isn't bi-weekly every two weeks? Yeah. yeah that'd be about right. Anyway, here we are. Welcome back. Thanks for coming. Uh, How are uh, you, uh, other uh, than sweaty, Thomas? Uh, I'm alive. I'm 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 well. I'm existing. Excellent. I'm thriving. Good. That's what How I'm are you? Hey, good man. Life is good. No significant complaints. Although the fact that it's 29 degrees in Canberra and it just started pissing down rain makes me real angry. But you know, why are you so angry? Life. Uh, well, just you know. Life is a series of things that make me irrationally angry. Fair enough. Uh, for no good reason, but, you know. It means I have to walk across the road to pick up my kid from school in the rain, which is annoying. How would you define your training regime at the moment? Like, what are you actually doing? You know, because for, for a while there, you were training for that uh, for that run. Yeah. Um, or the two runs. Yes, um what what's what's now is there is there another i don't know uh, event I, on the agenda or yeah i haven't i haven't picked that yet um so i'm just kind of spinning my wheels at this point and have like having fun doing it uh from yeah, from I, the outlook outside looking in just looks like you that's what it looks like yeah you're doing a bit of everything and doing whatever the fuck you feel like yeah, basically. I've got like a, a loose structure to my lifting. I've like I've been consistent in the gym for since like a little bit before Christmas, which is the probably the longest period of consistent gym work I've had for a while, which is nice. Uh, it's been more about just finding a bit of balance and routine that allows me not to go too significantly towards one end of the spectrum or the other because that's where my brain wants to go um is fucking all in on one aspect of it uh and i just haven't really decided what i want to do in terms of chasing goals for the next little while at the moment so it's been like getting out on the bike at least twice a week and just enjoying ripping under the bike not trying to like you know push hard on the bike or anything like that but just like go riding twice a week and have a good time doing it mm. um, running at least once a week uh and then training three times a week and ticking away at that uh, when trained in a commercial gym on Monday morning, that was fun. Um, mostly because got you were down in Melbourne still. Yeah, yeah, because we we came back Melbourne uh, from Melbourne uh, Monday, so I just went to the it was like a you know pool and leisure center place not far from my in laws, and I just went and got a sick machine pump on a bunch of machines I'd never normally use, which was cool. Nice. Um, it was nice. it weird being a customer in a gym. Yeah. I, I was saying to Sim like I don't think I've trained at a gym that either I didn't own or wasn't owned by a friend of mine in like probably years mm. uh, so that was fun um, but yeah I, I don't think I have any real goals at the moment I'm just kind of ticking the box and enjoying the process more yeah, than anything awesome. else which is nice it's a refreshing change from someone who is 
uh, you know, somewhat all or nothing when it comes to this training hard for things, as I suspect you can empathize with. When I sure. pick a goal, I fucking just go all in on it. And that that definitely burnt me out on the running side of things towards the end of last year. So uh, I've just been enjoying having a bit more balance and, and enjoying the process. Mm. And yeah, I'm nice. getting, getting stronger, I'm getting leaner slowly, and you know, I can like see quad separation for the first time probably in my entire life. Damn. Re- recorded a video of me doing some like floor-based breathing drills the other day. I was like, oh shit, I can see my own hamstring. Yeah, nice. My calves also look fucking jacked at the moment because (laughs) it turns out the best way to have really big calves is to be really obese for an incredibly long time (laughs) and then take up running after you lose a bunch of weight. Uh, So that's been a fun experience too. Yeah, good. Good, good. It's it's quite weird being a customer in a gym, uh, especially after such a long time. Yeah. Um, It's commercial gyms. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't speak for like leisure center kind of deal, but commercial gyms are normally pretty, pretty standard. It's always interesting being in a customer in a gym like ours, like overseas or something like that. Uh, you can't help but to be like the mystery shopper and, and really judge every single little thing and be like, I wouldn't do that. Oh, they're doing that yeah. really well. There's some inspiration, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Even things like, you know, I hung out at Strength Culture over the weekend and just like, walking around their gym and being like oh this is really cool like at one point someone turned the fan on and then it was really loud (laughs) jamie walked in with a raging hangover because he'd been at a wedding the day before Uh, and i was like bro you need to get some fucking dc powered fans as opposed to ac fans because they're heaps quieter which Mm. is something drew spriggs put me onto and i like spend a ludicrous amount of money on these fans that pump air hard but aren't like crazy loud yeah yeah and it's those sort of things where like uh, that's why i love talking to people like you and jamie and stuff because you get ideas about how to do things and and different insights into how you do things but then you go into somewhere like a you know this is a leisure center with a pool attached to it like i paid my casual entrance fee didn't sign a waiver there was no like taking details or anything i just paid my fee and walked in i was like oh cool like you're lucky I'm not a litigious person because if I was just going to be a prick about it, that's a great way to end up doing it. You know? And yeah. things like that are always interesting to see from a, from a different perspective. But it's part of the reason I like talking to people in own gyms and going to friends' gyms and stuff like that because it's always nice to, to get out of your own bubble occasionally and, and see what it looks like. For sure. So you were down there for the um, the David Gray workshop. What was your experience yeah, so of that? Uh, David Gray's lower limb biomechanics performance and rehab seminar workshop whatever you want to fucking call it so it was a two day affair um, hosted at Strength Culture Uh, it was really good man I've been following David for quite a while on Instagram now and definitely like I've bought some of his programs and and used a lot of his stuff and I've really enjoyed the way he thinks and and the way he presents content and so when he was coming to Australia it was it was sort of a no brainer for me uh and yeah it was it was really good man i i really walked away both excited by i think there's something to be said always for being in a room full of people who are trying to do similar things to you when it comes to that like it was a room full of you know physios and osteos and coaches and stuff like that and i think that's the first time i've done like an in-person sort of continuing education thing since covid Uh um and they're always heaps of fun like you can learn online as much as you like but actually being in the room and being able to 
ask questions live and, you know, talk some shit and make jokes and, and do all of that kind of stuff is, I find really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got to meet some cool people, um, learned a bunch of stuff about uh, the sort of lower limb and gait cycle and, and the way David thinks about things and a bunch of really fun drills to play with and, and exercise progressions to work on. And uh, yeah, overall, a, a really good weekend. A, a bit of a whirlwind trip for us, like driving down Thursday night and coming back on Monday was pretty hectic um but you know that's the life sometimes Mm. have you have you invested in your own education like this since the start of your coaching journey or is it something that you sort of found mid to sorry mid to late in your in your practice uh i think i've been doing it reasonably consistently in some form for a while Mm-hmm. not always in person things like that but i would you know i would consider like buying other people's programs and their online stuff as investment in that respect in that you know sometimes just buying a program so i can see what it says and how you present information and stuff i like i consider that that end of the education spectrum um it's definitely something i've been more enthusiastic about over the last handful of years because I think I'm a bit more solid in my own understanding. And so now having my own training model and thought process reasonably well mapped out and solidified allows me to go to things like this and get something from it that I couldn't have got, I think, you know, six, seven years ago. Um, Because, and we've talked about this before in, in various ways, but you know, if I'd gone too deep in some of this stuff early in my coaching career, I wouldn't have come out of the rabbit hole. Whereas now I can go to something like David's seminar over the weekend and take a bunch of really powerful, useful stuff and ideas and things like that and integrate them into how I do things as Mm. opposed to just doing things like David uh, Mm. or, you know, like I did Pat Davidson's uh, two-day thing a, a couple of years ago now and that was the same sort of thing. Like I took a bunch of ideas and, and things like that and integrated them into my own thought process as opposed to just taking someone else's thought process and making it my own. Yeah. Um, which I think we've seen a lot of people do in the coaching space for a long time in that they, you know, they drink the Kool-Aid and suddenly they're not teaching their coaching model, they're teaching someone else's. Mm. Um, and I think that's very different from like what you guys do in, in the zero system in that this is your system for coaching people and you're developing people under your coaching brand that then are able to be a part of that as opposed to someone else taking your course and then just labeling it as their own but teaching it all exactly like you teach it. For sure. Um, so, yeah, it, w- it was really cool, man. Uh, David's a great presenter. I was... I think I said in the post I put up the other day about it, like the, while all the information was really great and I learned a lot and it helped me put together some pieces in my head about the thought process around gait cycle and, and walking and breathing and things like that. Uh, I think the thing that I was most impressed by was uh, his ability to present what can be really complex and, and uh, deep topics in a way that is really uh, digestible. Even in a room full of, you know, clinicians and and fitness professionals and coaches and stuff like that, there still wasn't a whole bunch of like jargon thrown around in a way that wasn't relevant to the discussion. There wasn't any like, hey, look at this fancy way I'm explaining this thing that makes it sound way more complex than it is. He did a really great job of being able to take those those really um, 
really complex topics and, and make them very digestible. So th- that was, I think, probably one of the biggest things for me that I, I took away from it. And again, I think that's the thing that I enjoy in doing a lot of this stuff is seeing other people who are in a different area to me and that, you know, David functions more in the rehab space and, and that sort of thing. But being able to see how they present ideas and the thought processes they use and stuff like that. Like one of the really interesting things that I'm almost certainly going to steal blatantly from him is he did a really good job of presenting uh, like the rehab process as a, on a, like a, you know, linear graph as phases and breaking down like, okay, well, phase one's about this and phase two is about this and we want to get you to the peak of phase three and and presenting that information visually was really cool in a way that I'm definitely going to steal in a few different aspects in the, like, you know, here's the graph that shows the process for training for someone who's never done this before. And, you know, phase one's like establish habits, get you into the gym, get you comfortable with what you're doing, those sort of things. And phase two is like learn the skills, be good at it, that sort of thing. Phase three is train hard. Hmm. You know, being able to present the life cycle of of the the process visually like that i think is really powerful and something i probably hadn't considered before um and i think from a you know buy-in standpoint and like a lot of us i'm pretty fortunate at this point to get people sort of pre-qualified in terms of when they approach us to to discuss coaching or joining the gym like they've gone through the stuff we've got on the website and you know, are all but ready to sign up. Whereas, so that I think sometimes allows you to be a bit complacent about getting people bought into the process Um, and having something like that as a tool that can be a really visual guide can be, I think can be really powerful. And so, yeah, that'll definitely be something that goes into my arsenal very quickly. and then there's a bunch of other stuff in there that about like specific drills around how he teaches hinging and squatting stuff uh, in the, the sort of single leg stance positions and, and some other stuff like that. Some introductory plyos and, you know, a, a process for building into full scale plyometrics for, you know, running and jumping and stuff. So that was also really interesting. Mm. Um that I'll definitely take a lot out of. And it's it's probably like with a lot of these things gonna take me a couple of weeks to you know, synthesize it all and and get it all out into a way that I can then go and use it. But yeah, overall, a a really successful weekend. Hmm. Yeah, it's really, really interesting, that idea of like, you, you know, you you don't know if you went and saw something like this as a new coach, if you would have been able to uh, use it or digest it or apply it. And uh, not just in the sense of the actual technical knowledge, but by the sounds of it, you learned a lot about presentation about like meeting you yeah. where you're at now which is your technical knowledge and how you apply your craft you know by the by the time you reach our stage in our careers we're it's pretty sharp our swords are pretty sharp there's not, there's not a great deal that we need to add uh in terms of that technicality side of things but now you're educating you run you know education programs and you run workshops and you run uh, you know your introductory program where you where you're creating buy-in in your gym and all of those skills that come from being a better presenter a better storyteller a better um uh, translator whatever you want to call it is so 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 very helpful because uh, i've been thinking about this a, a, a bit i was like i was thinking about education the other day and i was thinking to myself i haven't actually pursued uh education in that form for a very long time um 
I watched the th- Rethinking the Big Patterns. I got personal mentoring directly from Pat after we did our podcast with him a couple of years ago. That's the last like bit of upskilling, maybe a mentoring call or two with some other people in between that. But for the longest time, I haven't sat and done a, a done a seminar and I'm like, do I need to do it? And then it's kind of like, well, my, my system is refined to the point where it's not something that I'm actively trying to refine. Where I'm learning and where I'm growing is in the area of business. And so I'm paying a lot of attention to how I can educate myself in that sense. And it's just like this reflection of the natural evolution of, of uh, a coach over time. I think of the, the very first seminar I went to uh, was Steve Pritchard. Uh, he, did a, he did a seminar in Brisbane. Like a throwback. Yeah, throwback. Steve Pritchard, for those who are uninitiated in the world of powerlifting, was uh, at the time probably the best... Um, he was the best bencher in Australia at one point, wasn't it, he? Yeah, yeah, and it, like the the best heavyweight lifter or the best single player. Lifter, I don't know. He yeah. was he was just one of the best in Australia. Yeah. My hey, first bench can- shirt was one of Pritchard's old shirts that I got like third hand. Still had his name written in the back of it. You know, holy I've got fuck, one as well. I wonder yeah, if it's the same one. That, it, no, it's not because I'm pretty sure I threw it away. Oh, okay, uh, it, mine was like a Titan F6. That by the time I finished benching in it, it was so horrifically smelly. <laughs> you basically couldn't store it inside. <laughs> I can wash them. I've I've got one in my car right now. One of his old F6s. Don't let it get stolen. It did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I got it out of my out of my equipped box because of the the, uh, the, the shirt getting stolen. Yeah, yeah, this is my my second backup shirt. Uh, but it's such a weird because it's custom made for him. It's got really small arms and then a massive chest. It's really yeah, interesting. Yeah. But like I I think of that that workshop and basically what he did is present shaker. And and uh, I remember the biggest takeaway technique wise was he, he was talking about that from side on, you want to try and get your squat look to the point where you can't see your femurs. Like that's how knees out and wide you want to be. I remember him talking about that distinctly. And I remember trying it a few times, like trying to, yeah, it was back in the days and of like- the what, story of how Thomas tore both <laughs> labrums in his hip and is going to have a hip replacement by the time he's 35. It Holy was, fuck, the rain just got real heavy. I don't know if you can hear that. Nah. Man, nah. You, we are in well, the middle of the Hopefully storm. you oh. don't get destroyed. Um, it was back in the time of like wall squats, you know? Everyone yeah, has yeah. to do a wall squat yeah. to warm up. And he, and he could actually, like, he stood wide and he was one of the built, like, big belly, you know, not huge, not huge legs. He was like, he was made to squat kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. I remember him demonstrating it or demonstrating, like, you know, what it should uh, look like. I'm like, this is phenomenal. This is unreal. <laughs> like, yeah. Anyway. Um, I, I, it's, I wonder if, uh, I wonder if seminars like that would, will, will make a bit of a comeback as people sort of because we're in a pendulum swing at the moment where everyone used to do that uh then it went very much to online education and i think people are craving just like you spoke about you know people are craving that more like see feel touch be there in the room with the person kind of deal yeah Um, man and especially with some of the stuff like you know some of the kind of nuancey aspects of the way david teaches like floor-based drills and, and, you know, a lot of it's sensory motor stuff, right? So y- you can learn it from a video, but until you've, like, had someone there help, like, you know, I I demoed one of the single leg squat variations and, like, having him, you know, 
twist my hips slightly and like those sort of tactile cues are really hard to get perfect in a in the context of an online thing but also i think the thing you get from an in-person seminar like that is you get to watch a bunch of different people do it so like st- at a couple of different points i stood there and just watched a bunch of these you know movement professionals and like there was some like osteos and chiros and and physios there were some competitive weightlifters there was like a sprint coach a few other people like that there's mm. a couple of like one woman who was a pilates teacher and so just seeing some of these people move based both on their like their body type but also their training history and stuff like that i find that shit fascinating just in general because i enjoy watching people move that's part of the reason i'm a coach for a living um but i think that's really cool to be able to see a group of people practicing it and trying it and talking about what it feels like and and things like that that you really can't get in an online setting at all. Um, But interestingly for me, this is the first bit of education like that I've done post ADHD diagnosis. And I reckon it's the best one I've ever done just because I could actually fucking pay attention the whole time in a way that like, I didn't look at my phone for two days, basically. (laughs) And that was a crazy experience. Like, I I remember very vividly at one point. Yeah, uh, Ritalin in this case. But... um, at one point I was yeah sitting there and I'm like, oh, I've just been like listening intently to this theory discussion without like letting my brain completely wander off in a different direction for like two hours. Hmm. And that's an experience I've never fucking had in my life before. Uh, so that was really cool as well. Um, but then being able to, you know, sit there and take notes in a way that like I just wrote down like throwaway lines that he said at various points or things that like I wasn't taking notes religiously I was listening Mm. and then every now and again he said something that really you know helped me solidify an understanding or was a good soundbite or something like that and I'd write things like that down but I didn't feel the need to like relentlessly take notes on it in a way that I would have in the past because if I stop paying attention right now, I'll forget. Yeah. Um, so that was a fascinating experience in, in and of itself. Um, and being able to like go back, like I spent a couple hours yesterday going back through the presentation of my notes and writing more extensive notes about it and just kind of solidifying the thoughts and, and stuff like that and being able to actually like recall it all and, you know, do that stuff was, yeah, fucking game changer. Huh. Who'd have thought it? Sounds like it was really valuable, man. Um, you mentioned earlier before we started recording about like how this can segue into a, a discussion of then how people take information and then share it on social media mm. and potentially lose sight of who they're sharing it to. Um, yeah. And it, I mean, it is it is the trap of, a, uh, you know, someone climbing the Dunning-Kruger mountain. It is a trap of... Um, a combination of a newfound confidence um, as well as just a, a hell of a lot of excitement for yep. learning new information. Uh, and as a coach, you, you, you're desperate to sort of you become evangelistic. You want everyone to know about what you've learned. And unfortunately, your sounding board is your clientele. And uh, they don't necessarily need to know about the things that you're learning. It, your job is to take that information and to translate into something digestible and applicable yeah. for the client. So, um, absolutely, man. I so I actually I, and in a similar vein, it just sort of popped into my head. Then I shared a post earlier in the weekend that um, Pete Dupuy, Dupuy, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Dupuy. Anyway, he's 
he's uh, Eric Cressy's like operations manager. Yeah. Um, and he does some fucking excellent content around like developing business and, and that side of things because he's yeah, not the coach. He's the operations guy. It's um, if, if you run a gym, his messages are so simple and they're just things you need to hear. Absolutely. So the one I reshared the other day was about uh, like content creation and getting caught up in the rat race of producing content at the cost of providing a good service. And I am absolutely guilty of that in the past. Uh, and like I was I was sort of reflecting on it after I saw it. Like I haven't posted much on the Burley page over the last month or so because I've just been working. Like I've just been fucking yeah. writing programs and coaching people and doing all that shit. And I think doing quite a good job of it. But I and then I had a conversation with Jamie Smith uh, after I shared that as well about that and getting caught up you know you see people like especially in my context where like i work for myself and i'm the only coach i employ and so all of it falls on me and getting caught up producing content for the sake of content instead of taking the conversations i'm having with clients that i have regularly because you know any coach has the same six conversations on repeat all week um and then you know shifting the way i produce content for instagram around and instead of it being i'm producing content for instagram it's actually now i'm producing content for my members that mm. answers a specific question or an idea or something like that and then i cut pieces out of it and produce yeah, and use that as instagram content and it, i think those sort of things go hand in hand in that respect in that you can have the fanciest looking Instagram carousel or, you know, highly polished reel, but if it doesn't actually help your clients do their job, then it's probably a waste of time because hmm. creating content for the sake of lead generation and things like that is great. And, you know, making yourself an authority in the space and things like that is also useful. But remembering that if, you know, if you're like me, you coach primarily like powerlifters and everyday people who are relatively new to the sport and or training and want to learn more about it. And so you've got to speak simply and you've got to present ideas with analogies and stories that help make it digestible rather than throwing a bunch of jargon at people to make yourself sound smart. Because mm. in a lot of cases, you might think you sound smart to other coaches, but to your clients you've just confused the shit out of them and now they're like well like what am i paying this guy for mm. and it becomes much less useful i think yeah for sure it, it, it really just comes back to a principal understanding of what you're trying to achieve with with social media with what you're posting and it's really hard like if i was to draw an analogy i'd look at you know financial advice where you'll hear a, a millionaire or a billionaire talk about like not having all your eggs in one basket and diversifying or something like that it's like they had all their eggs in one basket to create a fortune that they could then invest in other avenues to grow their fortune so when you've got you know three clients as a pt you're not thinking of all your investment strategies and all your streams of revenue that you can now create out of that no you need to go all into that one thing for a while before you even get there and it's it's the same thing with content it's like people will look at you know say for example look at these big brands in australia and be like okay well um you know that brand is posting about you know some of the nuance of nutrition for performance uh, that's what I need to do as a nutrition coach or as a, you know, a, a strength and nutrition coach. It's like, no, but they've already got the proof of their brand through the results that they've created. And so that's what you'll post to establish yourself as an authority 
once you've gotten to that position. And to get there, you need to showcase what your audience wants to buy from you, which is the result. So forget talking about fucking the Krebs cycle and forget talking about anatomy this and physiology that. Post a photo of someone that was overweight and now is shredded. Post a video of someone squatting 60 kilos now squatting 100 kilos. That's the money. Like that's what you want to be pushing hard. And, you know, adding some information here and there to show that you know what you're talking about is helpful. Uh, but if you're trying to grow as a coach, you need to talk to your audience and you need to know what your audience wants. Yeah, man. I And actually in that vein, one of the things I did coming back at the start of this year was send a survey out to all my members and be like, what do you feel like you struggled with last year? And like, what are the areas of training you want to know more about? And where do you feel like you need more information so that I have a guide for like, okay, well, where am I going to spend my time talking about these things? Hmm. Uh, and for me, a lot of it is about you know, streamlining my process. So when I have a conversation, I'm like, cool, we've had this conversation, but now here's like a 15 minute YouTube video that you can go and watch that's me talking more in depth about these ideas. And you can take the conversation we've had and, and go and learn from that as well. It's not about producing it for the sake of producing content and hoping that will at some point, you know, convert into leads and paying clients. It's actually servicing my paying clients and then repurposing that information as things that can be educational and can be useful in that space that can like over the long time will help build your you know your professional uh reputation and and all of those sort of things that is very useful i think in the long term um but if it comes at a cost of servicing your clients and actually providing a really good coaching service then you're probably not doing it right hmm yeah yeah, yeah. um fuck i had something really insightful to say and it's just escaped me because there's some bashing going on in the gym that's distracting the hell out of me. <laughs> um, it was something about Bill Gates, if that helps. I Definitely. don't know how that's going to help me, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, fuck, what was I going to say? It was so good. Uh, no. I don't know. Jeepers. Well, if it was about Bill Gates, surely it was about Microsoft at some point and maybe the product they were producing. Oh, no, it was it was about... Um, it was about... Fuck it. I had it there for a second. <laughs> uh, it was about marketing. It was about convincing yourself that making posts, uh, you know, especially informational posts, is, is marketing and and trying that, you know, getting getting a rhythm and a routine because you've heard someone preach on Instagram that that's the key to growing a following in a business is to be consistent with your content. So you you religiously post this this like you put hours into informational posts and you just keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it, and you say to yourself, "I'm marketing really hard and I'm not growing, therefore it doesn't work." like you're not marketing you're making a post on instagram in your own echo chamber and those posts are probably not talking directly to your market and so if if this is what you're trying i encourage you you know try whatever but if what you're trying isn't working you need to analyze and change your strategy so the the i know this way this is insided to how cooked my brain is the bill gates thing was like it's like when people Say, you know, uh, I've dropped out of college or I've dropped out of university. Bill Gates dropped out of university. Yeah, the difference yeah. is he left to create like a, a multi-billion dollar software company not to sit on the couch and order Uber Eats. 
big difference yeah. <laughs> you know you can't yeah, yeah. you can't be dumb and compare yourself to smart people <laughs> just because they had one thing in common we've both got noses therefore we are the same not quite yeah and uh, and i think that's it's certainly the problem when you look at like you said you look at bigger brands and you know more successful people in the areas you're trying to be successful in and it's really easy to feel like you need to be in that position and you Mm. need to be doing what they're doing like the number of people i've seen with like less than a thousand followers on instagram and like it's this perfectly curated infographic filled instagram feed of all this you know super useful information like man you got 15 likes on that post and you like how and i know the fucking time it takes to like write a script for a 15 minute video that then you have to film 600 times because you're an idiot who can't read your own script and you just end up filming 38 minutes of you swearing at yourself in an office by yourself because that's absolutely my workflow when it comes to that shit um but like and the worst one is when i post a video that's entirely bloopers from a video and it gets more likes than (laughs) fucking video that infuriates me um but you can spend all of that time producing all this great content and like not actually get anything from it other than like a small dopamine release and for me that that content is actually about making evergreen stuff that i can refer clients to to streamline my service right oh you want to have a discussion about belts cool here's a 15 minute video of me talking about nothing but belts with recommendations with links with guides to what you need and when oh cool you want to understand why we do programming in blocks and what we're trying to do with this cool here's a 15 minute video of me discussing my thought process for how i you know the framework i use for creating training blocks and what i'm trying to do and that sort of stuff because it just saves me fucking time i just then don't have to have that 15 minute discussion with everyone constantly Mm. or i can have a condensed three minute version of that conversation be like all right cool like I appreciate that's a lot of information. Here's a more extensive video that you can go and watch. Come back and talk to me and we'll we'll continue the dialogue, but we need to be on roughly the same page and I'm not necessarily in a position to spend 35 minutes talking you through this when I've got this nicely done video that you can then go and watch. And part of that, again, is also, I think it helps filter the discussions a little bit. Because if someone really wants to know and you have a bit of a discussion and then you send them the video to watch and then they watch it and they come back and they ask questions about it and continue to engage in the conversation, then you know they're like genuinely interested in learning. But if you have a brief discussion with someone, send them a video and then they never watch it, well, maybe that says a bit about where you need to put your time and effort into having those discussions. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say um don't don't feel like we're discouraging you from putting effort into into doing that sort of stuff it's just about if you are putting heaps of effort don't create the illusion for yourself that that is the be all and end all because one thing one really positive thing about putting a great deal of effort into producing education is that you teach yourself as to what's in your head and you get to absolutely you get to then soundboard off yourself and be like, is what I'm saying questionable? Is there something in this that I believe that I need to change my beliefs on that I need to go and learn about? Um, you just have to be careful how much you pummel your audience with that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, and like John said, you, 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 you can also build like this evergreen structure of information that you can then direct people to because that is a, a representation of what you believe and what you teach for sure. 
but if your objective is to grow a coaching brand, don't forget who you're talking to. Don't forget who your audience is and make sure the majority of your content is crafted to talk to them directly. And Absolutely. informational stuff isn't that. No, and for me, it's the way I think about it now is when I'm producing, you know, maybe it's a five to sort of 15 minute video, it's actually answering a specific question, you know? Yeah. And it's a question that like, oh, cool. In the last two weeks, I've had the same discussion about why are we doing these exercises or, you know, some very specific aspect of the training process that you can stretch the question a little bit, make it marginally more broad, and then have a really useful conversation that helps provide some insight into how you think and how the process works that will ultimately help your clients be more bought into the process in a way that's really useful. And for me, having a much like having a list of podcast episodes where I can be like, you know what, we've talked about that on a podcast. My answer is probably still the same. Go and listen to that. <laughs> and it's not because I don't want to have these conversations, but I'm also only one person with, you know, 70 something clients and 85, 90 gym members who I need to talk to and a business to run and all of those sort of things. So sometimes being able to have a database of answers to those questions that are by the nature of them well thought out and well sequenced in a way that helps understand the process can be a really really powerful tool to have absolutely absolutely all right i think that's us yeah i don't have much else to say that does Sick. it thanks for coming bye see y'all